Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Read that with me again, starting at verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Today I'm going to preach to you the call of all. Father, I pray that you help us today, Lord, to get our, our brains and our mouths and our hearts and our lives around what you've called us to do and what you've called us to be. Lord, that we would open our hearts and our minds, that we would open our thoughts today, Lord, to be receptive to you, Lord, and to do what you've asked us to do, Lord, not only the things that you've asked us to refrain from, but God, to do those things which you ask us to do, help us to do it with courage, Lord. Help us to do it without reservation and to be obedient to you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Let them know you're glad they're here today. You can be seated. We're living in a day and an age where we want to bargain with God. We're moving into a place in this church that I believe is, as that I believe that God is wanting to break some things open, but it will only happen on His terms. We must submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we were broken and when we came to him, congratulations, if you came to him and you had it all together and you didn't really need God, but you thought you'd be a great addition to the team, and God felt the same way about you, and so he gladly accepted your gifts and skills and talents and thought you'd be a great addition to what he wanted to do in this world. If that was you, congratulations, I'm probably not speaking to you today. Uh, but for some of us that were broken and realized that I was not having any chance, I would not have any chance of getting into heaven without his help, and anything that I ever wanted to be or he wanted me to be, it would be only because of his grace and his mercy, and that if I would cling to him, that he would help me to become what he had called me to be. And so for those of us that feel that way, we didn't come to God making a bargain. We just simply said, I will give you all, I will give you everything. In fact, anybody that I've ever prayed for that's received the Holy Ghost, including myself, it was at that moment where I said, God, I will give you everything. I will give you anything. Now, in my young life, it was a skateboard and a bicycle, and whatever God wanted me to do at school, I would be willing to do. But I, we all come to that point, and probably in your heart, whether you said it openly or not, you said in your heart, in your mind, God, I will give you anything. I will go anywhere. I will say anything. And it was at that moment, and probably Brandy can feel the same way about this, that when you are broken and decide, God, whatever you want, I will do. And I love you with all of my heart. It was in that moment that I received the Holy Ghost. And quite frankly, anybody that I've ever prayed for that had trouble receiving the Holy Ghost, I had informed them that if you will start to feel that, that there's nothing that you will withhold, you'll nothing that you will refrain from giving him that is when you will receive the Holy Ghost and that is when they did however sometimes as we move forward with our walk with God we start feeling that sense of security we start feeling that sense of 
perhaps even entitlement. I've done so much for the Lord and, and all that I've done for him and all that I've sacrificed. Maybe we start getting away from that feeling of giving all. Exodus 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. And it said in verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make unto thee any thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. For I the Lord thy God am a jealous God. Don't forget that he's a loving and merciful God. But he wants you all to himself. He does not want to share you. I can relate to that. Most of us that are married can relate to that. That we want a commitment. I want somebody that's going to be married to me. And I want to be married to them. Uh, Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Everybody say commandments. Commandments is a strong word. It's not suggestions. It's not I would really like for you to do this if you can get around to it. It is a commandment. This is if you're going to be in covenant with me, there are certain things that I command. Verse 7, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, or thy maidservant, or thy maidservant, or manservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all them that is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We understand that some of these carry over into a more spiritual application um, in these commandments, in this Sabbath, that there's no longer a legal Sabbath day that Jesus became our rest. He is our Sabbath. But it is still a good principle to take some time to unwind, to take some time one day a week and make sure that you rest and replenish. It's not a Mosaic law any longer, but it is a very good principle. And so we see that these commandments, in Exodus 20, we find ten commandments, not suggestions, but commands. We only read four of them. Uh, these, the, All of them would be this, and I'm not going to read the whole passage, but thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto to thee any graven images, no idols. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's four of them. Starting at verse 5, honor thy father and thy mother. Six, thou shalt not kill. Seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Eight, thou shalt not steal. Nine, thou shalt not bear false witness or lie. And ten, thou shalt not cover. Out of these ten commandments, the first four are exclusively about how we relate to God. I will refresh our memory on that. Have no other gods before him. No other images, no idols. Don't take his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath. And in doing so, we are remembering him to keep that holy. 
And so in those, we find this very close connection with God. The rest of these have to do with how we relate to each other and how we relate to uh, uh, mankind. We see that God in this passage is a jealous God. It is a healthy jealousy. It's not a controlling, uh, psycho kind of jealousy. It is a, a, a willingness uh, to commit to you, and He wants you to commit. Everybody say commit. Commit to Him. We're in a day and an age that, that we don't like that word commitment very much. We struggle with that, but I'm telling you, it does not change how God feels about it. God reminds Israel how he brought them out of their bondage in Egypt before he gives them his commandments. Did God help anybody here but me out of some things? And so with this, he wants to remind us of his love, of his generosity, of how he wants the best for us. But then he also does expect a level of commitment. Exodus 20 and 1 as we back up, it said, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And we, so we see here the generosity and the love that he has for his people. Remember that these were people that were used to following commands because they had been in slavery in Egypt for almost 400 years. The difference is now they got commands before or they got beat they got commands before and were told to make straw they got commands before to build pharaoh's palace to build something for pharaoh but now god is wanting the people to build something for him a legacy a heritage of people and generations that would serve him and so the difference between them following orders the previous 400 years and what god is wanting him to do now is now they are being given commands by god that loves them not a Pharaoh that hates them. He's also wanting, uh, they also now have a choice to obey or not to obey. Before, if they obeyed Pharaoh, they got to eat. If they didn't obey, they got beat. Now they're serving a God that is saying, you don't have to follow me. There will be consequences just because of humanity, but he's not ever going to force us into a position to follow his commandments. But understand this, the way of the transgressor is hard. God is not bashful about what he expects from us. We live in the most non-committed point in history. We don't commit to friendships. We don't commit to our marriages. 40 to 50% end in divorce, as a matter of fact. Now, that number seems to be down from the 50% it was several years ago. Now it's between 40 and 50, so it would appear as though the number of divorce is going down. However, after further investigation, it reveals that less people are now committing to marriage to begin with. And so they are just choosing to live together. And so this leads to easier breakups, which means... Lack of commitment. Employers aren't committing to their employees like they used to, and employees are less likely to stay with their employers till retirement. My dad worked for Sears for 25 years, never thought of getting another job, never thought of looking for work, never thought of trying to get a better position somewhere else. It's just, I'm an employee for Sears. Of course, fortunately, towards the end of his career, he started finding out that Sears wasn't that loyal to their employees and were started eliminating departments. And before he knew it, fortunately, he was vested, but he worked with a guy that was there 
dad was vested at 25 years, and so he ended up retiring, getting a chance to retire a little earlier than he planned, but he retired fully vested. What he realized is that he also worked with another co-worker that was there 24 and a half years and was not fully vested and lost it all. When he inquired from Sears, well, can't you put me to work in the warehouse sweeping floors? Sears somewhere is hiring, even at Westland Mall or even at Tuttle or somewhere else. Aren't they hiring somewhere? Certainly I can sweep a floor in a warehouse at the distribution center on Fisher Road. They said, if we did that for you, we'd have to do it for everybody. He said, not everybody has 24 and a half years and getting ready to lose their whole retirement. As it turns out, he did lose his retirement. And so we see that an Employers are not that loyal to their employees anymore. Neither are employees that loyal to the employers. God is still looking for someone to give Him their all. Everybody say all. I was going through a book a while back and there was a quote in it that said that the world has yet to see what could happen with a totally surrendered child of God. We hear of great men and great women that are doing great things, but, but this person was imagining what, what could happen if there was a child of God that would be in total surrender to God. I had a revelation come to me this morning while I was back there praying, and it was, I spend a lot of my obedience to God thinking, trying not to do bad things, trying not to do the wrong things, trying to make sure I'm behaving myself, making sure I'm not carnal, making sure I'm not doing the things that would be displeasing to God. So when I think about obedience to Christ, I'm thinking about a lot of the thou shalt nots. And yet this morning what God brought to my mind is, you know, obedience is not just about not doing the bad things, it's about doing what I ask you to do. Obedience is also about being courageous enough to get up and do something that seems out of your league. Doing something that you think is crazy or doing something that you think might be awkward. But when I ask you to do something, obedience is not just not sinning. It is also doing the things and moving the kingdom forward in ways that I'm asking you to do. People should be seeking their calling. Are you seeking your calling? Many times people spend years seeking their calling. Some people decades. Ten years turns into 20 and 20 into 30. I'm just trying to find what God has called me to do. And in doing so, there's this paralysis that happens as we don't do anything because I I'm trying to find out what my call is. I contend today that the greatest call is the call of all. That we just give our all. That we, as this passage that we read in Deuteronomy, that we love him with all of ourselves, heart, mind, and body, that we that we surrender to Him in all those areas. I heard a man say a while back, before you find your specific calling, find a need and fill it. If there's debris on the parking lot when you pull in, throw it in the trash. But I wouldn't mind. Not my job. We have a guy here that does that. Do we? 
my church. It's your church. It's our church. It's his church. We're, we're stewards. If you see something that needs to be taken care of, try to find out how you can help with that. There's a need in the department. You see where somebody needs some volunteers. Sign up for that. Well, I, I don't feel called to be in this ministry. Well, maybe you don't have to feel called to serve. Maybe there's just a need and you decide that until I find my calling, my niche, and, and I have found that. I have found my niche. I have found that God has called me to pastor. But can I tell you that most of pastoring is just filling needs? If you think that it ends at preaching, you're mistaken. Can I tell you how I got here? I've run the soundboard. I've been the usher. I've been the greeter. I've been the Sunday school teacher. I've been the youth pastor. I've been the bus driver. I've, I've led service. I've led worship. I, all these things, just I have done everything under pastor level. And never until this day have not felt a call. This is going to... This is going to mess with some of your heads. I've still never felt a call to preach. Because when God called me, he called me to minister. Now, I can't say this for all my friends and a lot of people I know. Some were called to preach. They knew they'd be behind a microphone from the time they were eight years old. That wasn't me. I, but, but because there's a need, I stepped into a need. I stepped into youth pastoring role because there was nobody there to do it, so I stepped into that role, and then God gave me a burden for it. And I did it for 20 years. I did it for two decades. I did it partially here while I was pastoring here. And so what we do is we, we just give of ourselves, and if we see a need, we see a situation, we do it. We understand that if God has all of you, He can do anything through you. Luke 9, 23 through 25 says this, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? Most people will not gain the whole world. I've never seen anybody fulfill that scripture. I've never seen anybody gain the whole world. Because you generally won't be offered the whole world. What will keep you from giving your all will be overtime. It'll be an unhealthy relationship. It'll be an addiction. It'll be something that you just don't feel like in your flesh you can say no to. Because you love that thing more than you love God. And so we will, not all, we will almost never be offered the whole world. What will betray us, what will, what, will, what will get us to miss the mark will be some little small thing. It will be a bitterness. Everybody say the call of all. Sacrifice in the Old Testament was death. That's giving your all. You gave something, something had to give its all. That was, that's what was pleasing to God. It was different animals, different things for different sins or different offerings. Uh, 
a, a turtle dove or a, a bullock or something. There was different things that were given for different offerings. But, but for that offering to be given and to be acceptable, it had to give its all. Sacrifice in the Old Testament was death. Sacrifice in the New Testament was also death. We see Christ dying on the cross. For me and for you, I would say he gave us all. I would say he withheld nothing. I would say that, that he saw me and he saw you through time and said, I'm willing to lay it all down. There's an expression, I left it all on the field. That means I got nothing left. I came off that field after they blew the whistle, after the game was over. I have nothing left. I will crawl back to the locker room and then change my clothes and go home. I've got nothing left. That's giving your all. And we see that Christ on the cross gave his all. We also see, though, that it represents life. And so he's not looking for a dead sacrifice because the truth of the matter is after we die, there's no more. And so we see that our payment back to him is that we take up our cross daily and are a living sacrifice. And this still requires a measure of death to something, though, to be a living sacrifice. You still have to die out in some areas, amen? You have to die out to your dreams. What were your dreams? What, what were the things that you wanted to do? That may be a career move. That may be a relationship. That may be something that you had to give up. But there might be a daily thing that you have to do, too. It could be a dream. It could be an ambition that you have. It may be your leisure that you enjoy. It could be your comfort, your pride, your natural thinking, or your carnal appetites. There could be any number of things that have to continue to die out for you to give your all. But we see that sacrifice is not just limited to death, but sacrifice also means life. Romans 12.1 talks about a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies uh, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so we see here that, that, that in this, that, that we give our life to Him. The best example I can give is marriage is a commitment. Friendship should be a commitment. I wonder if our, in our, if our generation anymore, we have just conditional friendships. I know you got 4,000 friends. I know. Because they're your Facebook friends and they like your posts. I know you got a lot of friends. Just see how many of that 4,000 will come bring you a gallon of gas when you're on the side of the road at about 3 in the morning. See how many of those friends you trust when somebody's in the hospital and you need a babysitter and you want to trust them with your kids. Friends used to give their all to each other. They used to go each, through thick and thin with each other. Used to be there for each other. Not agree on everything. It's just we're all we have. Because people used to have communities. People used to know their neighbors. We had a key to our neighbor's house. They were Aunt Sivy and Uncle Joe. We lived next door to them for my whole life. I preached both of their funerals. 
They were our neighbors. We weren't related. My mom would be over at her house having coffee all the time, just talking, chatting, they would say. Marriage is a commitment. Friendship is a commitment. Any kind of healthy relationship is a commitment. Commitment is sacrifice, but there's also benefits. It's nice to have security in a good, solid relationship that we can disagree but still not question our love for each other. There's peace that comes with that. There's safety. You feel safe around certain people. You feel like you can be yourself. You feel like you can be yourself and they're still going to love you. There's joy. There's happiness. There's all that's because that you feel like you can give your all and it not be taken advantage of. You feel like you can be yourself, and, and even with your shortcomings, you don't, you don't have to be Superman. There's certain people I feel like I don't have to be uh, uh, on this keyed-up pastor role all the time that, that, that I can be myself. There's certain people in my life I feel like I can be that with, and I can just be my all with and give my all, and, and they will accept me for who I am and not, not put their, their uh, expectations and sometimes their unrealistic expectations on my performance. Nobody here wants a spouse that would commit to love them six days a week. And then just have just one day set aside for somebody else. Not one day a month. Yeah, but depending on the month, that still gives you 30 to maybe 27, 28 days. I mean, you still get most of it. I mean, we went from, you know, just, you know, every six days, one every six days to now, now you get a whole month except for that, that one day. Nobody here would be okay with that. I'll tell you how extreme I am, how much I want my wife's all. I won't even give her a day a year. To fool around. So controlling. Because I gave my all to her and I commit my all to her. I don't think it's extreme for me to expect that out of her. So when I go back to those benefits, that I just talked about, I have all of that and more with her because she has given her all to me and I have given my all to her. And so these benefits that we share, that you can't have that if you don't have the kind of commitment we have. You don't get the security, you don't get the peace, you don't get the safety, you don't get the joy, you don't get the happiness that we have. If you want those other things, because you you relinquish, you give up some of the benefits of giving your all. Most of you know I went through a divorce years ago. I had to do a lot of processing. I did not want to bring any baggage into another marriage. I need to make sure that I was I was good, that I was fixed, that I didn't I didn't have to have her have to go through some junk to process through my suspicion and my 
my stuff that I was going to I was going to bring into this marriage and make her have to pay because I had not taken care of some business inside of me before her and I got together. I wanted to make sure that that was fixed. I didn't think that anybody that I would marry would be deserving of me bringing that baggage into that. And so there was a lot at stake when I was going to give my all to somebody. I needed to know that I could count on somebody that would give their all to me. I know what it was like being with somebody that didn't give their all to me and wanted to do their thing on the side. I've lived it. And so I don't think it's extreme for me to want somebody that will give me their all. We all want a commitment from them because we want to have all of their heart, all of their time. Because if you have their heart, they will withhold nothing from you. Not money, we have a very healthy relationship. Don't, don't think that because I want all, I have to have her like right here all the time. I don't mind if she's right there all the time, but I don't have to have her there. She's, she's rarely right there all the time because of our life and because of our ministry, because of things that, that we have to do. So it's not a controlling thing. God is not a controlling God, but he does want all of you. Mark 12, 28 says this, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reason together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked them, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments. Now he's going back to what we just opened with. He's going back to this. And he's going to read or he's going to say this commandment that we just read that was clear. Back in Deuteronomy 6.4. Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then he goes on. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. I told you a couple weeks ago that I could take you to the spot in the woods that I was standing where God began to show me that 90% of any church problem could be fixed if we will get this scripture. Man, attendance is a struggle. That would be fixed if we loved him with all of our heart, mind, body, and strength. And how's the offerings going? Going great if we're following this. How's unity in the church going? Great. If we love our neighbor as ourselves. How's, 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 is there any conflict in leadership? No. 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 If there is, it's about a thing. It's not about a, a personal thing. And we, we figured out because the, the church, the health of the church is what's important. So everybody's working towards the health of the church, just not their own department. And so 
Yeah, we love our neighbor as ourselves, and, and we love him with all of our heart, mind, body, and strength. That means our finance doesn't matter. That means uh, finance, our time, our effort, our energy, our, our emotions, all of that stuff is wrapped into this. So what problems would you have if you had all that fixed? Well, if you loved him with all of your heart, all of your emotions, you would be more emotional about the things of God than the, than, than the scratch on your car. Or the vacation you're about to take, you'd be as excited that Brandy received the Holy Ghost as you would taking the vacation. It, it would be something that you think this is this is something that happened that, that has affected eternity. There's a there's another name going to be added to eternity. There's one more person going to occupy a mansion in heaven. And so if that becomes where we put our emotions and that becomes the things we think about before we go to bed at night and wake up in the morning, the things that we begin to ponder, the things of God. Your soul with loving with all your heart, so we know it's, we've got to, to love Him with our emotions. Those things that we love, we have to love Him more than that. Those things that make us mad, we've got to figure out what things make the Lord mad and, make, and let those things make us mad too. Our range of emotions have to be, have to be a, 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 a greater God. That's why we can we can be emotional at church because hey, if we're going to do this at a football game, if some of you are going to do this later on tonight watching the Super Bowl, then I would suspect that you would do that in more here. If everybody say if you love him with all your heart. And so your emotions will betray you if you're not in key with it. If you're not in tune with it, your emotions will betray you. And so your heart, your soul, your spirit, man, we are a dual nature. We have, a, we have two things going on here. We have our spirit and we have our flesh. And so our flesh has its appetites, its desires, its things it wants. But so does your spirit, man. Spirit lusteth after the flesh. The flesh lusteth after the spirit. These things both wish they could be the other guy. I always knew why the flesh wanted to be the spirit guy, because he gets to live forever. But why would the spirit man even care about being the flesh guy? Well, when you look at how well we take care of our flesh guy, and how well we take care of our appetites of our flesh guy, no wonder our spirit guy says, hey, what about me? You want cake? You have cake. You want to take a nap? You take a nap. You want to go get entertainment? You get entertainment. Take a bath, you brush your teeth, you do all these things to take care of this body, try to prolong it. But the spirit man sometimes gets starved. You wonder if we had this, if we had this screen where, where we could look at the picture of ourselves and then we could look at a picture of our spirit man. If ourselves would be all nice and freshened up and looking good, smelling good, everything's going good, and then that spirit man is just barely getting by, just, just barely has enough energy and strength and nourishment to just barely survive. And so we see if we love Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul, all of our spirit, man, then we would be constantly loving to feed the spirit, that the things we watch and things we listen to would be of spirit and nature and preaching and teaching and instruction and the books that we read would be less about things and stuff and more about how do we navigate through the spirit world. How do we, how do we handle demons? How do we, how do we uh, uh, reach the lost? How do we touch people's lives? And then our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our intellect, all of our personality, all of our giftings. 
those things that we are in our in our in our mind in our brain, and we look at how much I'm I, I'm thirsty to learn certain things, and I, I know things from uh, all kinds of different things that, that when I get interested in something, I really seek it out. And then the Lord challenges challenges me: How much are you seeking the things of the spirit world? How much are you investigating how this works in the spirit? All your heart. Everybody say all. See, none of these things bother us until we say that word all. Then it makes it hard for all of us, including me. I understand serving Him with my heart. I understand serving Him with my soul. I understand serving Him and loving Him with my mind. And then my strength, my body, my time, my effort, my energy. When there's something that needs to be done at the church, something that needs to be done for somebody, something that I need to go spend some time teaching somebody a Bible study. I just talked to the missionary that was here last week, said the only thing he sees that, that is that is what wins people to, to the Lord is, is, is personal Bible studies. He said, you can do the big church services and do all that stuff. He said, but I'm just telling you. He said, nothing works as good as just getting into people's lives and helping them navigate through God, navigate through the Word, navigate through their conversion, and navigating them through their discipleship process. He said, he said, that's just, that's, just where, that's just where it happens. And that's where this church is going back into this year. Because that's getting the church back to be the church. You so so I, I can see that, yeah, I, I, do, I do love them with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then that word, all. And then God begins to reveal and show me. where it's probably not all. I want the musicians to come. Everybody say all. You see, there is a call of all. Brother Davis used to tell us, your greatest ability is your availability. I thought that was pretty good news because I didn't feel I was very gifted or talented. In fact, sometimes I get uncomfortable because I've got some, some pretty high caliber friends that I feel silly in their presence. In fact, sometimes, and I don't think, I, I, this might be the voice of the enemy, but I, I, I run with such high caliber people that, that I feel like I get this voice that says, you're an imposter. To run with these guys? I, I feel that same accusation because we know the accuser of the brethren accuses us day and night, so I'm probably not alone, but about any time that God asks me to step into a new level, there's a new devil, and there's a new accusation, and so in that new level, there's always this feeling of, uh, I don't belong here, because once we get proficient and feel like maybe we do belong in a level, that's about the time God, God says, okay, ready to graduate.
And so I go into a new place of incompetency. That's what promotion is. Talking to my kids about some of their careers and job things that's happening, and I say, yeah, I said, well, there's some things that only experience gives you. That's why a lot of companies want to hire somebody with experience. Well, I got all the education. I just graduated from school. I got this. I said, yeah, but if we're going to pay you this amount, we need somebody with some experience because we know experience does some teaching that you're not going to get in the book. And so God graduates us into some areas that we don't have that experience in that area yet. But if you give your all, you say, okay. Luke 18, starting at verse 18, and a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Remember what the question is here. He's not asking, what do I do to be one of your top 12? No, I do think that there is an indication here that he might have been passing up an opportunity here. I will further look into that at some point to see if he was insinuating that in, in this story. But a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, yeah, all these I've kept from a youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing. Everybody say one thing. Yeah, you've done all the great church stuff done all the great spiritual stuff. You've done all the, 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 the law here. You've done all the commandments that we started off with here. <clears throat> but you lack one thing. Sell all. Everybody say all. That thou hast and distribute unto the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Jesus has not, at least at this point, ever asked me to sell everything I have. So that's not what I'm asking you today. But there is a point here I want you to get. Sell all that thou hast and distribute it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. He goes on to talk about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to inherit eternal life. He's not talking about a, a camel going through the eye of something that you sow with. The eye of the needle was what they called the entryway to a fortress or a place where sometimes it was a very small entryway it was a very small entryway that a man could get through, but it was almost impossible for a camel to squeeze his way through there. They did it to keep enemy soldiers and keep 
people out from Jamal. We're like tanks, basically, as soldiers. So it wasn't an impossibility, but it really was tough. This is not a parable. This really happened. Understand the call of all can be conquered by just one thing. Just one thing can disqualify your all from being all. All Minus one is not all at all. The sacrifice goes beyond inconvenience. Do you have a one thing that wars against your all? Is there anything that maybe while I've been preaching today that We see here that it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a sinful thing. He just said, you got a lot of stuff. If you're going to follow me, sell it all. Why? Because he knew that would be the one thing that that guy would be reluctant to say, God, I'll give you everything. In fact, if he was a good guy, he'd be a trustee in any of our churches. He might even be a pastor. He might be a great guy. But, but there was one thing that Jesus said, but are you, are you willing to give it all? Again, the great commandment, love the Lord thy God with heart, mind, body, and strength. And he saw this thing. If he were to look inside of your heart today, would there be one thing you would say, I could give anything but that? Job, money, relationship, addiction, something you're not willing to forgiveness, bitterness. So we stand. There's a there's a part in the movie that chosen. Don't know which episode it is. I know it's in season one. It's it's not a scripture, but it sure should be. But I promise you it is a principle. In the movie, Thomas's girlfriend, they're just becoming followers of Christ. Thomas's Fiance is is there, and this this fiance's father says, I, I got a few words I want to say to you, Jesus. And sometimes that's how people approach Jesus, believe it or not. I got a few words for you. I got a few words I need to get something straight with you. Yeah. So after he gets done with his comments, he just basically wants to know if she's gonna be taken care of. And and you know, that, that, that I'm a little bit concerned about my daughter. And Jesus says this. And although it's not a scripture, it is a, I promise you, it is a principle that if the church is going to be healthy, we got to get this principle. He looks at Thomas's fiance's father and says this, it is true that I expect much out of those that follow me, but very little out of those who don't. I 
I'm telling us today as your pastor, there is a call of all. That if we're going to move into the dimension that God wants this church to walk in and live in, we can't hold anything back. I'm personally not asking you anything today. This is what God is asking us. There will be times in your life that you cannot go back to. I can't keep going back to, I quit my job at Ameritech, and I, I quit and went to the went to the Bible college. Yeah, that was good for them, but there's going to be times now that God is asking me to sacrifice. I can't, I can't keep living on yesterday's sacrifice if God is asking me that you've picked up something since then. Or I want to check and see if I'm still willing to give all. As they sing, I'm opening up this altar right now. And I want to ask us to, 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 to take our time to search your heart today. I'm asking you to come.